There are some crazy songs <laughs> in the Beatles catalog. No kidding. Welcome to Movies on the Side, listeners. This is Stephen Robles. This is Nate Baranowski. And Nate will be whispering for the entirety of this episode because he's in a basement and doesn't want to wake his housemates. This is a soothing version of Nate. I feel like, I don't know if I need to contrast you and be boisterous. Yes. Or should, yes. Or should I match you and talk like Sean Connery? I mean, as I talk about this movie, I may increase in volume. Mm. And that's just, that's just how it is. So I'm very passionate. I want to tell the listeners, the movie we're doing today is the movie Yesterday, a 2019 movie. And we're going to get to that in a second. But I have two, two pieces of information that I'd like to share with our listeners. Number one, we had a conversation about water on our last episode, Nate. <laughs> and I got some pushback from, from, from some of our listeners. Yes. And, and I got support from some as well. Uh-huh. But one of our Patreon supporters challenged me. He wanted me to read the Fiji water story Yes. Uh, with a straight face. Yes. And so I'm going to do that now. This, this is for listener Todd and Patreon supporter Todd, uh, who has a serious issue spending more than a nickel on a bottle of water, which I understand. This is from Fiji's website about Fiji water. <clears throat> On a remote Pacific island, 1,600 miles from the nearest continent, equatorial trade winds purify the clouds that begin Fiji water's journey through one of the world's last virgin ecosystems. As tropical rain falls on a pristine rainforest, it filters through layers of volcanic rock, slowly gathering the natural minerals and electrolytes that give Fiji water its soft, smooth taste. The water collects in a natural artesian aquifer deep below the Earth's surface, shielded from external elements by confining layers of rock. Natural pressure forces the water towards the surface where it's bottled at the source, free from human contact until you unscrew the cap. Untouched by man, trademark, Earth's finest water, trademark. That is preposterous. <laughs> it's it? Untouched by human hands? What is this? That that is ridiculous. And when it's bottled at the source, what is yeah, what is that bottled at the source? But without human hands touching it. Basically this is miracle water, Nate. That that's what they're trying to say. Do you know what you also have to pay for? Well, yeah, now I understand why Fiji is so expensive. Mm. This untouched paradise. That's right. This Atlantis like land. No one not even Google Maps knows about it. No one. Twenty five thousand miles from the nearest person. Like we then take a, a freight vessel and we load it up and you have to pay for the cold chugging no. steamboat that brings this water no, no, that's that's why it's so expensive it's it's not a massive ship no they take each singular bottle a rowboat place it on a hot air balloon <laughs> old man in the sea <laughs> let it float across the pacific until it reaches the shores of the united states when they close that bottle i picture they go like they set it into the waves and the current mm. We'll float it to Burbank, California, where we load it on a truck. Todd, I read the description. I think I did it with a straight face, but this makes Fiji sound like a monster. May have to change my choices in, in uh, water bottles. But anyway, <laughs> maybe we start every maybe we start every episode with just like a description of an artisanal, like bougie water. Oh, I like. I think it. that would be uh, water corner. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'll find the Voss uh, description. I imagine they have some yes. uh, some preposterous adjectives. One other thing, 
through the end of the year, listeners, we have a special for you. This is this is a Christmas holiday special. Mm-hmm. And it's before Thanksgiving, so if you give gifts for Thanksgiving or you like to receive gifts for Thanksgiving, this also works. Yes. If you become a Patreon supporter from now till the end of the year, <laughs> the end of 2019, if you become a Patreon supporter of Movies on the Side, we're going to throw in a free t-shirt just for you because we care about our Patreon supporters. So go over to patreon.com slash movies on the side. You can find a link in show notes and support the show, especially if you're a regular listener. Uh, we would love to have you uh, support the show. Let it be known that if you become a Patreon supporter, you are kind of at a higher level than me because this is going to sound self-serving because it is. Yeah. But mm-hmm. my father, Gary Baranowski, had a birthday recently and I bought my dad's uh, Movies on the Side shirt for his birthday. Do I feel bad that if he was a Patreon supporter, he could just have gotten one for free? Maybe he won't know <laughs> that he could have just got himself a shirt. But I like to think that the greatest gift mm. is sending your father your own podcast merch. I'll tell you what. I'm going to up the ante, Nate. Ooh. If you support us on Patreon for under $10 a month, we're going to send you a free t-shirt. But... If you up that support $10 or more a month, we're going to send you a hoodie as we go into the holiday season and winter season. And those hoodies are pretty nice. We'll even take down the size that you want so you don't get a <laughs> double X if you wear a medium. <laughs> right, right. No, no, no. We'll, we'll ask. So anyway, support the show if you uh, enjoy it. We're on episode wow. 80. Careening towards 100. Careening towards 100. And we want to be doing this for the long haul, listener, because when you're here, your family. TM, TM. Patreon.com slash movies on the side. All right, let's get to the movie. Nate, we reviewed the 2019 movie yesterday. I have a confession. You've never heard of the Beatles before. No, no, no. I've heard of the Beatles, <laughs> but I have never intentionally nor played on my car speakers via my phone a Beatles song ever. Before I watched this movie, I probably couldn't have named more than three Beatles songs without doing some research. Really? Okay. No, I just, I just did not. I knew the Beatles. I knew they're a big deal. Iconic music legends. I just didn't listen to their music. It wasn't part of your growing up at all? Like there wasn't like a cassette no, ever no. being played? No, no. At a roller rink? At a drive through no. movie? No, no, not you at know, all. When you grew up? I don't know. I just I have not been uh, exposed to Beatles stuff very often. I didn't know the song Help was a Beatles song. I just had no idea. That is a confusing thing about the Beatles, is that they have been covered so much that there are songs that I did not know that they played originally because I have only heard a very, you can call it a cover, but like, for example, Stevie Wonder sings We Can Work It Out, Mm. which is a Beatles song, but like, he's Stevie Wonder. He's not like Joe Schmo cover band guy right so i always thought like oh this is a stevie wonder song and you know you hear these songs like when you're walking around the grocery store or whatever but i just never never knew they were part of the beatles or the the beatles song half of all the apple commercials i listen to some podcasts with these two guys that talk about music a lot like they're just big music nerds and they've had a couple episodes talking about the beatles at length Mm -hmm. and so i've heard stories of like Paul McCartney and John Lennon and how they butted heads and how 
John Lennon's soul was like mine, black as night. And <laughs> Paul McCartney is like this jovial guy. And they could tell when Paul McCartney writes the chorus and John Lennon writes the bridge because, you know, it's just a different feel. And so I, I want to do more research because it seems like a very interesting story, the Beatles as a whole, like their oeuvre. Right. The idea that they were so prolific in hit making, they made tons and tons of just mind-blowing successful music literally from like i guess 63 is when they became like international hits broke up in 1970 not a not a huge run i mean i guess john lennon and paul mccartney like kept making stuff afterwards yeah i don't know what ringo Starr and george harrison did after yeah like it wasn't that long and this is gonna make us sound kind of old but like this is the 60s and it's not that long ago but in other ways, it feels like it was right. 200 years ago. I mean, it was before our lives, before we were born. Right. When we get to our top five, which are going to be the top five Beatles songs, I want to talk about some of the sound producing of those recordings. I love it. I'm I'm very excited for the top five. Yes. But we're going to talk about the movie first. So the movie is yesterday. It's Rotten Tomatoes, 63% critic score, pretty strong, 89% audience satisfaction. So decently loved by the audience. I want to explain this premise because I feel like maybe this movie was not widely seen. I mean, because I heard about it when it was when it was coming out. No one really talked about it as far as I knew. Right. Did you have people in your circles talking about it? No, not really. It kind of snuck by me. I think I saw the trailer and thought, interesting concept. Can't wait to rent that. So here's the concept. Just a quick summary. Won't do any spoilers per se. It is about a character named Jack Malik played by Himesh Patel, lives in England uh, like today. So this is modern day, 2019, we'll say. Mm-hmm. So Jack Malik is a struggling musician. He wants to be a singer-songwriter, and he is not finding any success. None of his songs no one comes, are popular. No one comes to his performances. He has his faithful friends, group of four or five, but he's, just, he's not successful at all, considering giving up music. And he gets hit by a bus one night, and something crazy happens where the entire world forgets the Beatles. There's no trace of the Beatles, no trace of their songs, their music catalog. Everything about the Beatles is just gone. And he uses the opportunity and begins to do Beatles songs as though they were his own and becomes wildly successful. Goes into the whole music racket, big music producers, money, big concerts, and in the process, loses the love of his life. Ellie Appleton is the character named Lily James plays her. And then it's the struggle of, does he go on living this lie that he didn't write these songs and he stole them, but those people don't exist, so what does it hurt? Or, you know, what choice does he make? The very premise of this movie, and I would like your thoughts on this. Jack Malik is not popular at all when he sings his songs. And I feel like the movie is portraying that the songs the Beatles wrote, the songs themselves, are so miraculous and incredible Anyone with a decent voice singing those songs will become wildly popular and successful. Does that feel like that's what the movie was saying? Yes. Do you find that plausible, Uh, especially in 2019, like those songs in 2019? That is really hard to say. That is a great point and a great thought experiment. So if you watch this movie with friends, there are many things to discuss afterwards. I have multiple questions I'm going to ask of you hypothetically. But the question of whether the songs are just on their own merit good enough to make you wildly popular, or does the fact that 
these songs have filled our subconscious for our entire lives, does that make them feel more epic and impactful? I would say the songs themselves, I would lean towards they are great enough that if no one had ever heard of them, they would have an impact. Mm. Now, I don't know if they make they rise you to superstardom right ed sheeran level in this day right but i like i mean i think it's plausible okay because they also started like you know changing little lyrics like instead of hey jude (laughs) change to hey dude and i'm like uh, i don't even know if the hey dude (laughs) would fly in 2019 i think it's the people would have never heard of it before and the sound would be so interesting the beatles were so in many of their tracks so innovative insane is the word (laughs) sort of like how i don't know if you ever saw the the one about the the beach boys um writing Uh, good vibrations and um john cusack plays him oh but like it's the kind of experimentation that is just like obsessive Mm. which somehow like comes together in this i've never heard this kind of sound before and I always find that super interesting. We can talk about some specific scenes in the movie, but let's just get Romance Corner right here and now. The movie circles around Jack Malik, the main character guy, and his friend Ellie, which I had to rack my brain to figure out where I knew her from. Mm-hmm. Downton Abbey. Right. And the live action Cinderella. Oh. But yes, Downton Abbey was the one I recognized her from first. And I will say both of these actors, it, it took me a second to warm up to them in the movie, but uh, it, towards the middle to end, like I really liked them. I thought they actually did great acting jobs. I really liked both of them. I was very impressed with Himesh Patel's likability. Yeah, in this movie, and like I got his angst too. Yes, when he struggled with stuff. Does he work at like a Costco or something, or it's <laughs> some big box warehouse? Also, a really fun group of friends. Yes, that like feels very relatable. Like they're joking with him after he got his teeth knocked out. Like it's the kind of group of friends, that college group, that I think people usually have nostalgic, fun uh, memories. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. 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 Uh... Boom. Oh! Hey! Because you lost your teeth. That's, yeah, I know. That's why that's funny. Okay. Number two. Because <laughs> you got hit by a bus. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> Do you? Hilarious. I don't know if this is an English thing, but when you can be kind of abrasive in what you're laughing at and your humor, but it's not taken as an offense. Yep. You know what I mean? Like they, they were kind of really ragging on him about those teeth. Yep. <laughs> and I feel like if you did that to a millennial over here in America... <laughs> You wouldn't be friends anymore. <laughs> Millennials, am I right? <laughs> Boomers. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay, so let's go romance corner here. Yes. Lily James, who plays Ellie. First off, I had Amelia Clark, me before you vibes the whole time. Mm, yeah. Yep. What didn't it kind of have like, she has that sort of winning personality. It's magnetic. Yeah. Her, her charm is magnetic in this movie. I thought a dinosaur was particularly strong. Well, yeah, I got most of the words right. <laughs> Absolutely. She can really get the heartstrings because there's this conversation when Jack begins to get popular and he's about to fly to L.A. He's about to go to Los Angeles to start this big career. And Ellie looks at him and she asks, how did I get in the wrong column? Because he's treated her as a friend all these years and never 
had any interest as a girlfriend seemingly and man that scene was like yep. heartbreaking almost yep. so she did an incredible job you're leaving so i can ask you anything how did i get in the wrong column how did i get in the friend manager roadie column and instead of the and i love her column come on now here's where romance corner breaks apart oh this, it is like flying in a plane and it just kind of crumbling around that's you. terrifying thought oh yeah you're not a big <laughs> thank you sorry it's like being on a rowboat filled with fiji water because <laughs> you're taking it to the u.s and it's right. it's got right. a hole in it it's leaking very good the idea that jack malik has been friends with her since they were nine years old and has never looked at her or thought of her as anything more than a friend and a sister is the most preposterous thing that I have ever experienced in Romance Corner in watching this What? This movie. Nate, you're telling me you have no one in your circles that have been friends for years and one is romantically interested and the other is not? Okay. I'm gonna go back a little bit. What I'm saying is I believe like I can believe they are at this point and he's like, we're just friends. And she's like, I'm, I've always been in love with you sort of thing. Uh-huh. I do not believe there was ever a time as they were teenagers and college students and after, or I guess university, and they don't have college, just university. I just don't believe there was never a time where he looked at this beautiful girl, Ellie, who is wonderful and charming. and never had a time of like maybe we should date like she is so lovely that the idea of him never looking at her with any sort of interest i'm like it would make more sense to me if they're like yeah we went on a date one time in college we had this awkward kiss this one time but then it was so awkward i bumped my head and uh, we decided just to stay friends that would make more sense. But the idea, it, it is like it dawns on him for the first time that like you are a beautiful romantic interest for the first time. And it's like, I, I, this, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I have to disagree, Nate. I mean, I get it. And I feel like that happens to people. And, sometimes, and oftentimes like the guy will be dense and just doesn't entertain the idea. Or, you know, maybe in high school and college, they weren't close friends. But they were no, but know, these, friends and these people were like best friends. Yeah, I mean that's still that still makes sense. Like I that did that did not throw me off. I I feel like that's totally reasonable. Okay, let me try it. Let me try a different tact because I'm not getting through to you here. <laughs> during high school, during there's a certain age in life. I would say I'm gonna try to be super G-rated here. Okay, there is a certain time when you change as a human <laughs> from boy to man. And at there is a time of life, every <laughs> every friend of the of the gender you are attracted to becomes, oh, you're cute. There is a crush stage, I would say, in most people's life where you're like, maybe, maybe us, maybe us. Yes. I just don't believe that he went through his life and never had that. I don't know. No? I get I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but I still feel like, I mean, there were people that I grew up with from seven, eight, nine years old, even through that stage where there was probably like that one moment in youth group where I was like, we could date. 
Sure. But it was so fleeting, and there were so many other people there. Like, I, didn't, I never pursued it. And, it didn't and did really they like look it. like Lily James? <laughs> like, they were not unattractive. That's what you mean. So it's not, it's not that. So you, like, like in, in high school, you never had, like, friend, girlfriends, and you looked around and said, you are great. We should date. I mean, we also, like, information that's missing is, were there people that he did date in high school or college? That's plenty plausible, like, in that little group uh, of friends. Like, yeah, I guess. Maybe he dated someone else in high school and someone else in college, and he was still best friends with Ellie. Now, you know that happens. Yeah. And, you know, the guy, like, dates three or four people through high school and college. Right, and she's, and she's his friend throughout the whole thing. And she's there, and she's hoping that he will come to his senses and stop dating these other people that are not good for him or whatever. Okay. I, 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 want to, I want to clarify because now I feel like I sound like a real jerk. <laughs> I'm not saying that like guys can't be friends with attractive women or whatever. Like I think that's hogwash. I think no, 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 I, no. I believe their friendship now. I'm just saying I find it hard to believe that growing up, going through high school and university, that there was never a time where they did try dating. I just feel like the background of him never, he is super surprised by it. His character is not super aware. You know, even in the conversation where Ellie is asking him, why was I never in the right column? And that scene is tough because they're getting interrupted by his dad and the friends are yelling downstairs. Yeah. But even in that conversation, he seems totally taken aback. Like, huh? Like just totally dumbfounded and taken off guard. So, I mean, he just might be super dense. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Okay. Well, I I will concede. I will concede the point that maybe it's just like maybe that fits in with his character. Yeah, maybe. Well, you really took the air out of my sails. I understand. Okay. <laughs> but after they were after they were sort of like back together, I believe their quote unquote breakup, their like distance. Yeah. I can we spoiler alert to the end a little bit? Okay, yeah, what's part of Romance Corner? And then I wanna get and then I wanna get your whole the whole thing. Yeah. He gives at the end, he at a giant concert, he like shows her on the screen and gives a apology slash confession about right. all of these Beatles songs. Right. I think that's one of the dumbest ways to <laughs> apologize to her. Because what he is doing yeah. is embroiling her in the biggest controversy <laughs> in music by putting like it's one thing to put her up on the screen and be like, Hey, I just want to let you know I'm so sorry that I like took you for granted i have loved you as a friend but now i'm choosing to make you a romantic partner that's one thing to put her on the screen and be like i just want to let you know the world that i've ripped off all of these songs <laughs> and by the way here's the face of the girl i love make sure to ruin her life as well yeah all right so let's 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 talk about let's talk about the moral of this story nate wait wait i want to hear your romance corner what did you i really enjoyed the the whole thing and it was I wanted to know what happened. I was rooting for them. I kept thinking, stop being an idiot. You know, like right. there's one time where he comes back to England from his musical career and they meet and they have dinner and they go back to a hotel room. They almost do a one night stand. And then Ellie is like, no, I don't want to be this. And she leaves. And the next morning, you know, he wakes up and runs to catch her at the train station. Mm -hmm. you no, know, it's all a great like romance movie type scenes. Yes. And, and they're in the cafe and... He's getting rushed by his friend Rocky, who I didn't like him at first, but I kind of came to, I came around to him. Yep, exactly. I like his character. But the, you know, that scene at the table and, and she's telling him like. That's really good. Yeah. It's a great scene. And she's like, listen, just like go, like do your music thing. Or she says like, or you have to leave that all behind. Like, you can come, come with me then if you want to leave this all behind. 
yeah, it was just, it was a great scene. And I was like, man, and I believe, and I believed his angst after that too, that one, I think he's doing help on the roof of the hotel in like his final concert. And he starts like screaming, help me. Yeah. At, at the yes. end of the song. And like, it was a little heart wrenching. I was like, oh man, like. Yes. All in all, great romance. I, yeah, yes, I'm yeah. with you. I enjoyed it. I have been waiting half my life for you to wake up and love me. And now it's got even trickier because if <laughs> you were playing in pubs, we were the perfect match. But now. They do excruciating scenes really well in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His, his parents are just excruciating. They're the best. That that when he's singing, <laughs> let, let, it, let be. it be on the piano. <laughs> Jack's just playing us a new song. Oh really? I thought I thought he'd given up. Yeah. No. Well, he's got some new songs. What's this one called? Uh, leave it be. Let it be. Oh, excellent. Well, rock on, Jack. <laughs> oh, it's not very rocky, but. <clears throat> when I find myself in times of trouble Would you like a drink, Terry? Dad Well, I'd already heard that bit Sorry, Jack Your dad's a rude man Y'all get a beer, please, Jack Excellent, right He's like, I heard the intro three times already Can you start in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were great characters the, the person-to-person connections Like, the really subtle connections in this movie we review a lot of movies that the script is not great. This script is really good when it comes to those small human moments between characters. Yeah. Not like the, not like the grand love in the rain kind of scenes that most movies can do right. right. This does like the awkwardness of human interaction and family. And yeah, it does all of that really well. And Ed Sheeran be an Ed Sheeran. <laughs> It's a little weird Ed Sheeran in this movie, I'll be honest. But there is there is that one scene when they're backstage after the concert, the first concert that uh, Malik plays with Ed Sheeran, and Ed Sheeran's like, "Let's do a songwriting contest." Yes, that scene, I was almost holding my breath as Malik was on the piano singing, and I was like, "Is Ed Sheeran just gonna like take a sledgehammer to this guy? <laughs> like, what is about to happen?" so bad for ed sheeran i did too he like, was like yeah he's the better songwriter and he's like all right i'm turning in for the night and I was like, oh ed it's okay i know like i really actually felt bad for ed sheeran in that moment I'm like he's a wildly successful musician he doesn't need to, any pity but man he actually that scene was was pretty heartbreaking so the vote no no vote no vote no that was uh an interesting moment I was always told that there would be someone who came along that was a lot better than me, and you are definitely better than me, Jack. You know, I'm liking this movie more and more as we talk about it. Listen, like, I was prepared to be a total curmudgeon, because I was like, I don't know anything about the Beatles. I didn't even watch this movie's trailer when it came out. Uh-huh. But man, it, it won me over. I'll talk about this one other scene. I love the scene when Malik goes to Los Angeles for the first time, in, or Malibu, and he's at the manager's house. Oh, Kate McKinnon. Yes. Yes. Playing Deborah Hammer. (laughs) Yes. She is a great character in this movie. And there's the scene where she's asking him, I need to know that you want to, what is it, like drink from this chalice of like blood and success. Like, do you want to drink from it? And I love Malik's response. He's like, I guess. Well. Yes is the answer to that question. Well, yes, I guess. Not well, yes, I guess. Yes. (laughs) 
I guess. What I am offering you is the great and glorious poison chalice of money and fame. I'll take the chalice. It was interesting to see Jack stand up for himself and stand against this lady. Like, he knows he's selling his soul. Like, he's not under some just idea that this is going to all be great and cheery and no one's going to be thrown under the bus and, like, dragged through the mud. Like, he understands, like, this is a terrible proposition. I am selling my soul for these songs that I didn't even write. And, like, you see him making that choice. Like, you see that it's not lost on his face. Right. And I I liked those moments. Like, I believed him in those. There's conflict in his eyes. Yes. Okay, so Stephen, uh, kind of a would you here. This is my first question of like, what would you do? Yeah. So Beatles probably aren't a good example for you, but whoever you would consider like an amazing songwriter. Let's say, okay, let's say John Williams. Okay. Oh, that's good. John Williams never existed. Let's say you are good enough of a songwriter to like the fact that Jack Malik can like remember Beatles lyrics is fascinating for one because right. there's a couple of times though where he, he like struggles and he tells people that's like, cool. Yeah. yeah that's Finding cool. like Eleanor Rigby stuff. Yes. Right. But like, okay, John Williams, if he never existed, how would you feel ethically about being like, I know this tune that can. Da, 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 da. Oh, that's good. What would you do? So this is an interesting question and it's slightly problematic because the entire movie, I was waiting for him to get hit by another bus. Yes. I was all waiting for it to go back. Yes. It was all a dream. It was all a, yes. That's the craziest part of this movie. This yeah. The cra- <laughs> just continues on. Yeah. But I, I appreciate that the movie didn't bait and switch me or do a switcheroo like I think the I think the real switcheroo is that it never went back. Every movie I've ever seen like right. Freaky Friday kind of thing, it all goes back to the way it was. And I love how you don't don't explain everything in the movie and it makes it better, which is that other things also totally disappeared off the face of the earth like cigarettes and Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola and Harry Potter. That's kind of a fun addition where there's no explanation, no anything. They just disappeared. And so I find those things fun, just as a side note. If I knew that those songs by John Williams would never exist without someone writing them, I would write them. Like, I would do it. Mm -hmm. I think with orchestral pieces and movie soundtracks, it's probably a little harder to break into that (laughs) than than pop music. But I would would write them for sure. But if I knew I would also wake up one day and, like, I would be known as a fraud to everybody, I would not. (laughs) So I don't know okay, what I would choose. Without. Let's say you you don't know because you yeah. don't know. I would do uh, I would do the Star Wars theme. I'd put it on YouTube and I'd see what happens. Okay. What would you What would you do, Nate? <sighs> I don't think I would. After, what's like a famous piece of art that you feel the world needs? Let's say the Last Supper. Oh, that's good. Okay. No Last Supper. Right. Tom Hanks couldn't make a movie about it. The Da Vinci Code doesn't exist. No, I... Last Supper painting doesn't exist, right? Would I would not. You would not paint it? Number one, I, I couldn't if I wanted to. That's the thing about most art. And even things with the Beatles is that he was making his own renditions of the Beatles, his own covers, basically. And I think that's the cool thing about art is that by making it your own, you are making kind of a new piece now if no one ever knew the original then your yours becomes the original that's a little bit murky but no i I don't think i would try to like paint the last supper why not no i definitely would no i'll just do it (laughs) i would (laughs) (laughs) so you would 
Yeah, I you know off offhand, it would probably look nothing like the original Last Supper because in my mind, it, I wouldn't be able to replicate it perfectly. Right. By the way, Last Supper, I've seen it in person. One of the greatest art viewings. Winged Victory is also great. Is at the Louvre, but if you ever get a chance to go by Milan to the Baptistry um, and see the Last Supper, it is giant and it it is in a very quiet place that they let only a few people into at a time. Hmm. Unlike the Mona Lisa, which is the size of like an eight and a half by eleven, glossy, packed with people. The Last Supper is reverent and huge, and Jesus's feet are like at eye level and it extends like 15 feet up Oh wow! on the wall. That's crazy. It is giant and beautiful. Mm. Now back to the movie. Yes. Let's talk about the actual Beatles people. So John <laughs> Lennon is famously shot, I believe in 1980. Mm-hmm. Paul McCartney is still alive. Ringo Starr is still alive. George Harrison died of lung cancer. So two of the four Beatles are still alive. Right. Now, I have a lot of questions and some thoughts. Question one, why do Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney, the real people, not make an appearance in this movie? Mm. But we get a CG John Lennon instead. (laughs) Two, I know they brought in John Lennon because it's like, see, he didn't make the music, so he lives out his life by the sea happy. Right. Old and happy, which is great for him. Right. I think we can all say his life is better in 2019 because he is alive in 2019. But what about Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr who are out there now? I can't, but like, was there, he found John Lennon. So like, they still exist. It's not like they don't exist. They just never wrote the songs. Right. Is somewhere out there, Paul McCartney is like a flight attendant (laughs) on like Spirit Airlines and he's just doing his thing. Like, and why didn't he go and like find them out and be like, hey, you don't know this, but these are songs that you wrote. Right. Because he says in, in his little like confession bit, this was written by Paul McCartney, John Lennon, George Harrison, Ringo Starr. Right. But those people exist. Like someone can go find Paul McCartney and he'd be like, I didn't write this. And he's like, yes, you did. Yeah. I guess that is a little strange. I mean, I guess you can make the like multiple universe thing where- Maybe in this universe, the other three died, and John Lennon's the only living one still. So maybe it's that. Oh. It seemed like the two creepy people who kept like following him around, and then we come to find mm-hmm. out they're the only two people that remember the Beatles, mm-hmm. in addition to Malik. You know, they said that they searched far and wide, and they found John Lennon. I assume they probably tried to find the other three, and maybe couldn't, or... Oh, okay. I assume just from what the movie was saying that like John Lennon is the only one that is findable, maybe only one that exists. Who knows? And it's probably the most meaningful for Malik to meet him because sure he could, you know, he died. I think it also, I mean, it made him feel better that like, because he didn't write all these songs, he's living a happy, peaceful life by the sea. And there's that, I love the line, Malik asks him, you know, are you happy? He says, yes. And then he asks him, were you successful? John. Yeah. Have you had a happy life? Very. But not successful. But you said very happy. That means successful. And you cringe because this is not <laughs> success in Stephen Roper. I slammed my laptop screen shut. I said, no, John Lennon, you are wrong. You cannot be happy and unsuccessful. No, I didn't, I didn't think that. It, it, was, it, was very, <laughs> it was very touching. I didn't believe him for a minute, but it was a touching moment. 
Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. Happy and successful. I did like that house on the beach, though. I'd, I'd take that house on the beach. It was nice. But you know what you need to get a house on the beach, Nate? Money. Money. And you know what you need? You know how you get money? You be successful. So success for you is just money is what you're saying, right? Ah, I knew you were going to turn that. Anyway. (laughs) Okay, so this movie continues. He confesses that he didn't write these songs. Right. That he took them from other people. And then he basically said, like, I'm giving all this music away for free. I'm releasing this to the internets. And then, and Rocky on an iPad presses one button. Yes. And somehow. somehow. Uh, well, Ed Sheeran helped him out there. That was what's kind of like behind the scenes. Ed was like. Oh, that's right. That's made right. that possible. It wasn't just Rocky doing his thing. Okay, very good. After you, I'm a little bit confused by the confession, if I'm honest. Because you can say that they weren't yours originally. You didn't write them. But the fact that they don't exist anywhere out there, and maybe the people who wrote them do not exist. Is it possible to say, like, I didn't write these, but I have culled this information from past sources? I'm saying, can you have your cake and eat it too? Can you still stay, stay like a phenomenon, but also be like, hey, I got this, so- this is open source music that I took this from? I don't know. I feel like the, c- the confession is unnecessary. You would have just kept on living that life, is what you're saying. I mean, if he felt really guilty about it, okay, give away the music and just say, you know, I got these songs and lyrics from other people and they don't exist anymore, but I feel bad stealing them. So just have all the music. Let's play out the scenario of what happens if everybody remembers. If he wakes up one day and the Beatles actually existed, all everything that he had done stealing the songs wouldn't have happened. Time paradox. Is it'd be a time paradox. And then let's say somehow he wakes up and he still did all the successful music stuff with the Beatles songs, but now everyone remembers the Beatles. He doesn't have to confess anything because everyone will know like, oh, he was just singing Beatles songs. Right. So honestly, I feel like there is no really terrible scenario of just keep playing it out. Right. I mean, if you want to give up the big music career and give away the Beatles songs, like, that's fine. Just do it. If you, if you go on a stage and say like Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, everyone's looking at you with blank looks like you're not doing it for right. them. Like you're just doing uh, it for you. If, if what would happen, if it came out tomorrow, like Ed Sheeran didn't write any of his songs, it, it wouldn't be like, I would forget, like, I'd be like, oh, well, I don't want to listen to Ed Sheeran stuff anymore. Like I would just be like, okay, well, I guess these were all covers. But it doesn't mean like the songs weren't great. Yeah. I'm not a music purist. Yeah, so it's, though, a, I guess. it's a, the whole, well, it, it just seems like a strange, I don't know, it's a strange scenario. All right. Well, I, I was really struggling to figure out what object to use mm-hmm. to rate this movie. Well, how about a yellow submarine? Of course. That they hold up yes. at the concert and there's the song. That's what I needed to do. You're right, Nate. I'm here for you. Thank you. On a scale of zero to five yellow submarines. Nate, what would you rate this movie? I'm going to give, yesterday, I'm going to give it four yellow submarines. Mm -hmm. I would actually give this movie more more yellow submarines. I could even throw in another half. Here's what knocks it down. I'm going to try to speak coherently. The fact that it doesn't undo... And it just goes on with the Beatles not existing and me constantly thinking about the people that are still alive who were in the Beatles existing out there. It's fun that it didn't go back to normal, but I think I am the guy who likes more reasoning for stuff happening. 
whether that's like it was all a nuclear waste spill this is what happened or (laughs) i don't know it was like a magic godmother who did this for him i don't know the ending is so wild and the reuniting and the confession is kind of unsatisfying to me Mm. the fact that he confesses he gives away the music and then he goes back to like playing obladi oblada for kids i don't exactly know what he's doing with his life after that right right is that's a little bit it feels a little cop-out-ish the fact that he was so conflicted and stealing all these songs all of a sudden it's like i've made it right and i'm now no longer famous and i give away the music for free and now i'm with her like the end if it wasn't for that which i thought was a little plopped together i would give it more but four is still pretty high so four yellow submarines i'm gonna give this movie i'm just doing this to to half get tom going but i'm gonna i'm gonna do four and a quarter i want to do a little more than four because i really really like this movie and i really think people should see it i think it's a great romance story funny some really important moments you know i think it really does that well i agree the ending was a little strange Mm. i would have loved to have known like did he go back to teaching maybe he did what happened with all that music you know maybe some like flyover scenes of different cities of concerts covering those songs like it would have been interesting to see some of that right but i did like seeing the ending of him and ellie they got married they had kids they're together so that was satisfying i also it was nice seeing gavin the guy that ellie dated for what a month yes like (laughs) gavin is with that other girl and they're happy so that's a nice feel-good ending but i really i really like this movie and i think you know that there are two endings to this movie by the way oh no i didn't i watched the first ending i watched this movie with my parents who my dad saw this once liked it so much he wanted to see the movie again Mm. this has really had sticking power on my father yeah and I watched it with them, and we finished, and he goes, do you want to see the alternate ending? Mm. And I thought to myself, oh, this alternate might be the one I actually want of it going back to like normal. Yeah. You know, Paul McCartney coming out. It's not that big of a change. It's just kind of slightly different filming, different things. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. But I, I mean, I would suggest going to see the alternate ending. Well, we have to jam through our top five, but I think it's important. <sighs> I know you have you have hours of of Beatle knowledge that you want to just. I I don't have that much Beatles knowledge, but making this top five has been maybe the most difficult top five that I've worked on ever since. In order to do this top five, I had to listen to all the Beatles songs in my car because <laughs> I didn't know what any of them sounded like, and I didn't want to judge them by the movie's rendition. You know, I had to go back and sure, sure. I listen to the originals. Have you have you enjoyed your time listening to Beatles songs? Some, you know, I appreciate. There's sometimes there's some vocal harmonies that are really stunning, mm-hmm. and those are those are wonderful. And there's some horns in some of these tracks, some brass, and that's very yep. nice. There's some strings that make it very nice. But let me let me just say, there are some crazy songs <laughs> <laughs> in the Beatles catalog. No kidding. (laughs) I knew of the song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds because it's like a joke, you know, Lucy. And so I was like, okay, well, I have to listen to it because maybe it'll be in the top five. And I had an open mind. Every time I listened to a song, I said, maybe I will really love this one against all odds. 
And man, listening to some of those crazy songs. Have you heard I Am The Walrus? Yes. <laughs> there are some songs that, uh, how do I say, I think some substances had heavy influences on some <laughs> of these. Absolutely. For example, this is not on my top five because it is often listed as one of the top five Beatles songs, but A Day in the Life mm-hmm. is very popular. Yeah. It does nothing for me, I think, because I have a clear mind and clear head. <laughs> right. It swells to a cacophony at some point in time in that song yeah. that is sonically unpleasant for me. But apparently it's an amazing song. So the mixing of these songs, these again, this is the 1960s. There was not digital uh-huh. recordings and such. Some of the mixing seems just wrong. <laughs> Like there is like a, a really, a really heavy triangle, just like, <laughs> or like over top sometimes. If you listen to the original Let It Be, when the electric guitar comes in, it is like jarring how loud and <laughs> abrasive it is. And you're like, is that on purpose? Maybe it is. I don't know. But it seems like a mistake. The mixing. Obviously, those songs would be produced differently today. Right. And so I, I understand that maybe for the time that was the way to do it. And again, technology-wise, like you had to do it certain ways. So I get that. But man, it was just some of those are very strange. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Anyway, I have one honorable mention. I want to put help in my honorable mentions. Okay. It's got some great, great harmonies and rhythms in that song. I have like 13 honorable mentions. (laughs) Honorable mentions for me would be, with a little help from my friends in my life, is really great. Mm-hmm. While my guitar gently weeps, yesterday, really something, something in the way she moves. Did I say I want to hold your hand? Nope. Also that. Okay. And about a million other songs. I want to let you know songs that are not in my list or honorable mentions. I do not like a day in the life. I'm not a big Strawberry Fields Forever song fan, and I'm not a big Yellow Submarine fan. I have never done hallucinogenic drugs. <laughs> I agree with you on those. I, those are nowhere in my list. So, well, I'm I will not be singing because I don't know these songs well enough, but Nate is going to grace you with his Beatles renditions. So, I'll just jam through my number 5 in my life. What's yours? My number 5 is Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby picks up a rice in the church where a wedding has been. Lives in a dream. All right, well, my number 4 is Let It Be, with the extremely loud guitar solos. But it's still, <laughs> it's still a good song. So Let It Be, it's my number four. It is All You Need Is Love. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Nothing, nothing you can, can say but you can learn how to be in time. It's easy. I messed up all those lyrics, but you get the point. (laughs) That's that's fine. I'll fade it in. I'll put that in my honorable mentions, too. That's a good song. All right. My number three is Eleanor Rigby. Something about that song really got me. Like I kind of like that song and the rhythms and the melodies. It's weird, but I I enjoyed it. So it's my number three. It's really good. It's really, yeah, it's kind of haunting. Oh, absolutely. All right. My number three is come together. I would recommend that if introducing the Beatles to someone, come together might be one of the best ones that just translates really well to today's sound. He come on flat top, he come move up slowly. Yeah. Gotta do 
My number two is Yesterday. The strings in that track are beautiful. Mm. Actually hearing Patel sing it in the movie Yesterday like, mm-hmm. as basically being the first Beatles song I really paid attention to <laughs> being right then in that movie. I was like, oh, that's a really good song. And uh, he actually sounds good doing it. So yeah, it's my number two. All right. My number two. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Very nice. All right. Well, my number one, if only for that bass line, is come together. Yes. That, if, that is the one Beatles song I was familiar with uh-huh. because I heard other versions of it and I always liked it then. And even the original, I really like it too. That bass line's really good. So give me your number one, Nate. It is. Hey, Jude, don't let me die. Take a side song and make it better. Remember to, to let her into your heart. I think the when it gets to the Da 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 Jody 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 Yeah, it's pretty fun. It is so Beatlesy. Yes. I think Hey Jude. It doesn't make a ton of sense because there's no context behind it. You have to like dig into the meaning behind it. Right. It's got a chorus that you can just chant along to and sing a really big crazy chorus but also a, a soft sweet verse it feels yes the epitome of the beatles i just want to let you know Stephen, after we've done our top five that i sent a challenge out to my parents to rate their top five this is gary baranowski's top five beatles songs because he he lived it he lived that life number five can't buy me love number four help number three eleanor rigby number two Long and Winding Road, and number one, Yesterday. And that's your Casey Kasem top five Beatles song. We both had Eleanor Rigby at number three, so I feel like I was justified. You and Gary Baranowski. Yep, all in. Well, hope you enjoyed our Beatles episode, <laughs> listeners. Let us know what you think if you're a Beatles fan. At Movies on the Side on Instagram, you comment on our post there. And don't forget, t-shirt for any new Patreon supporters now through the end of the year. Patreon.com slash Movies on the Side. And if you do over $10 a month, we'll send you a hoodie so you can have that for the winter season. All right. Thanks for listening.